All right, I want you to go to the book of Genesis. For those of you that are Bible students, that's the first book in your Bible, the book of Genesis. And I want you to look, if you will, in the second chapter, Genesis chapter 2. And while you're finding that, we'll read from that in a moment. And uh, I really do appreciate you being here. Uh, some of you, as Brother Tim said, you've been here every night. I don't know of anything that encourages a pastor more than for you to be in your place. I mean, I, I tell you what he can do. I know he can because I pastored 45 years. He can stand right here, and I guarantee you he notices everybody that's out. He knows where you sit. You know, we usually, we always sit in the same place, don't we? We come in and we'll pick our little place out, and that's just the way we do it. And so he can stand right here, and he knows who's out. And he's wondering, are they sick? Has there been something happened in the family or something? So just being faithful to the place where God has put you, uh, that's, that's a blessing to everybody. Do you realize as well that when you're out, you'll discourage somebody? When you're out, if you're not sick, you'll discourage somebody because the great encouragement to every member of every church is to look around and see their brothers and their sisters in their place. And so be faithful, uh, love God. Uh, we're almost home, just around the next curve and over the next hill. We're going to arrive in the city of God. We're all looking forward to that if you're saved. And so I want to leave out on the battlefield, don't you? I, I don't, I, boy, I'd hate to be at home drinking Pepsi and eating popcorn watching John's other wife while folks is trying to worship God and the Lord come. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be bad, by the way. Sure, that would be bad. And uh, so anyway, uh, Genesis chapter number two, and look with me, please, uh, in verse number one, if you'll find that, I think I, I can find it here. What happened to me? I got to the wrong, I got in, in the wrong chapter, Genesis chapter. It is in my Bible, isn't it? <laughs> chapter two, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I told you the wrong verse. Chapter two, I'm sorry, and verse number 18, I apologize for that. Uh, Genesis chapter two, and uh, verse number 18. The Bible said, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet. That word meet means just and right. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Now I've noticed in these days there's uh, not as much cleaving as there is leaving, isn't it? And uh, the Bible said, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, I want you to keep your Bible open here, and I'll share some things with you from these verses. And a little bit of a mixed message for marriage and the home. And I call this little study a garden wedding. And so if you'll pray for me, the Lord will help me. I'll share some things with you that I hope will be a help to all of us. Through the years, uh, I have uh, heard of all kind of unusual weddings. Uh, I've heard about people getting married while they were scuba diving. It hadn't been long since I, uh, they had a little thing on the TV and these folks were very athletic, the man and his fiancée, and they wanted to get married while they were scuba diving. And they did. They got married. They had a feller there floating around them like a little mermaid, and they had the voice hooked up somehow so you could hear, and, and he pronounced them man and wife about 200 foot below the top of the ocean. Now, that's amazing to me. Uh, those of you that know me, I, I'm scared of water. I mean, I really am. I about drowned twice when I was overseas, and I'm scared of water. And I thought, boy, they're stupid. Anybody <laughs> do something like that, go down that far to get married when they could have stayed on the seashore and done the same thing. But they did, and then, and then uh, I, I saw some people, and they got married skydiving. Really, did y'all see that? As a little thing on the TV. They, were, they jumped out of the airplane and this other fellow jumped and they kind of joined hands together and this guy did the marriage ceremony while they were falling, free falling before they opened their shoes. Uh, when you get to that point, it would be hard to back out of that marriage, wouldn't it? <laughs> be no way to get out of that, man. And so I've heard of some unusual weddings. Matter of fact, I was part of one. Uh, there was a fellow in our church by the name of Carlos Blakely. He's in heaven tonight, he and his wife. And uh, he had a granddaughter, just the sweetest little granddaughter. And her fiance, they both went, they were both members of the church. And they were, I, I think the husband, I think he was 20, she was 18, had graduated from school, was going off to nursing. And just just good little youngins. They loved the Lord, faithful to church. And I had the honor to marry them. Now, they lived up at Lexington, but they drove down to Ashburn to be a part of the church, and they said, Preacher, we want you to marry us. And I said, be a great honor. I would really love to do that. Good youngins again. And uh, so, you know, when you get married, you have these, uh, you have this little uh, thing you have to fill out, a marriage certificate, you know, and, and uh, so uh, I'd always fill everything out except for the witnesses, and then I would do that course after the wedding and uh, so I married them all oh, they you know shed some tears and it was it was a good it was a good marriage then I went to my study and I called the witnesses in and everything and I was getting ready to let them sign it and I looked at it and you know you have to get married in the same county for which you have the marriage certificate 
And so they lived up at Lexington, and that was Davidson County. Now, I'd already married them. And I looked at that, and I said, wait a minute here. I said, this is, uh, we got a problem. And they said, what's the problem? And I said, well, and I, I, I told the witnesses, I said, you go get the groom now. Go get him now. And they did, and I said, uh, listen, this thing's not legal. I said, you got this certificate up in Davidson County, and our church is in Randolph County. And he said, preacher, we done got everything loaded up. We're headed to Myrtle Beach. I said, no, you're not, not yet. I said, you're not legally married. And they said, what do we do? And so I made a phone call, and I called up to the Lexington courthouse, and they had a magistrate that met them. They drove from our church back up to Lexington. He married them in the courthouse, and then they went on their honeymoon. So everything was all right. But the reason I said it was unusual, they got married twice in two hours. And, uh, but anyway, they were good youngins, and, and uh, they're still together, still serving the Lord. But anyway, there's been a lot of unusual weddings. Our text tells us about the first wedding ever held, uh, certainly performed personally by God, and probably the Lord Jesus might have been the best man. I don't know how all that worked out, but wouldn't it be great to have God at your wedding? And he, he would like to be there. Matter of fact, the first miracle he ever performed was at the wedding of Cana. You remember that? And so he wants to be a part of your, your life, your wedding, everything you do. Jesus wants to be involved in that. I found out a long time ago that he's interested in the little things in our life. It's not just the great big things, but the Lord is interested in everything in his, in his children's life. And I want you to notice in this garden wedding, and we'll glean some principles here that'll be helpful for everyone, uh, every marriage, and every home. I understand maybe you have some folks here from your school, and so this will be good for you as well as us older folks also. I want you to notice, first of all, if you will, uh, notice the search by Adam for a mate. There was a time when Adam was without a companion. He wasn't alone in one sense because he had all the creatures there and all the creation of God and the Lord, of course, I'm sure he fellowshiped with him as well, but he was alone in the sense the scripture tells us that he did not have a companion to help him and to enjoy with him as they shared the creation of God together. Now, I want you to notice the story. Look again at verse 19 and 20, and I want you to see the lack of a mate for Adam. The Bible said, And out of the ground uh, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he uh, would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And God gave Adam a wonderful privilege, and yet it was also a responsibility uh, to name all the creatures that God had created. I guess, you know, in my little peanut brain, two little birds flew up and perched on the limb close to him. And Adam looked and he said, I believe I'll call them sparrows. And he was kind of looking around at all the blooming flowers and the beauty that God had created, heard a little rumble behind him, looked around, here came these two great big beasts. They had big round feet, 
They were gray in color and had a real long nose. It looked like a fire hose. And Adam said, I believe I'll call them elephants. You know why he did? Because they looked like elephants. That's why he called them elephants. So he said, I'm going to call them elephants. Yet, as Adam named all the creatures, he noticed something. There was Mr. and Misery's dog, Mr. and Misery's elephant, Mr. and Misery's horse, but there was no Misery's Adam. And so there was a void and a vain uh, place in Adam's heart. He realized all that God had created had a companion except him. He did not have one. Notice in verse number 20 again, this led to a longing for a mate. He wanted a mate. He needed a help meet, one just and right for him. The word found, you'll notice there in the text, suggests that Adam longed and look for a companion, someone of his own kind. And until now, it had never bothered Adam. He had never had to buy the wrong gift for a girlfriend. Uh, he had never worried about having a date. He never wondered if he was popular. But when he realized that he was alone, there was a desire for somebody that he could spend his time on earth together. But when he realized that he's alone, there was a desire for somebody to be next to him, with him, to help him enjoy the blessings of God. Think about how natural Adam's desire was. God has put something in each of our heart that produces an attraction for the opposite sex. I did say the opposite sex. We live in a very perverted world now. And uh, I could get into all of that, but I'd want to go out here and go hunting, and I'm not going to do that. And uh, I mean, that gets me all tore up when I see the condition of our world in which we are in right now. They have perverted everything that God calls holy. The devil has turned it around and ruined everything that God meant to be a blessing both to you and to me. Boys and girls, you know, they go through stages where really uh, when they're young, they hate the opposite sex. You know, little boys don't like little girls. Y'all know that. And uh, I remember when I was in the fourth grade, uh, there was a little girl in my class named Joyce Gurley. And so the teacher, we always at Trinity School, every year there was a big talent show. And they would be little folks, you know, little ones, and they would be folks that were up in high school, and then they'd even invite some of the moms and dads to be a part of the talent show. Well, the teacher got this wild idea that she wanted me and Joyce Gurley to sing in the talent show. I had to wear a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And matter of fact, your choir director, he's had on three different kind of boots. He's had on, uh, let's see, what, ostrich. He had on snake skin tonight. And last night, and I never heard of it. Where's he at? Where's he at? Where you at, brother? He's about, oh, yeah. And then last night he had on boots and said that it's made out of fish skin. Can you imagine that? And, and I said, well, they're pretty. And, of course, God convicted me of lying about that. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, hey, <laughs> uh, I, forgive me, brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, I looked at Tim, and I said, Tim, did you see that? He said, yeah. I said, I told him they looked good, and I lied like a dog. I said, I... <laughs> I mean, they're fish give it anyway. Anyway, they said, hey, we want you to sing in the talent show, you and Joyce. And I didn't want to do that. I'm a natural introvert. I didn't want to do it. But, you know, the teacher told me to do it, and we did. And, and I said, well, what are we going to do? 
And she said, I, I want you and Joyce. Now, you young folks have no idea what I'm talking about, but the older folks will. And uh, she said, I want you and Joyce to stand together on the stage, hold hands and sing Courtin' in the Rain. That was the name of the song, Courtin' in the Rain, Courtin' in the Rain. I never knew what Courtin' was till I courted in the rain. We had to stand there and hold hands, and I hated every second of that. But yet, you know, when I got older, uh, the unattractive became attractive. I thought, you know, and that's natural when things like that take place in our heart. And so we sang together. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, we won the trophy. And it wasn't a participation trophy. I mean, it was a real deal. We won the talent show. And I was so excited about that, but I never did speak to Joyce till we got to the 10th grade. But uh, anyway, there comes a time when something happens. You begin to be attracted to the unattractive. Remember when you started sending them little notes? You remember that in school? I remember that very well. I know y'all do. You'd take a little piece of notebook paper and uh, you, would, you would put four or five little blocks on it and, and you, you, would, you would have somebody, you wouldn't do it, but you'd have somebody else to pass it over to the little girl, you know, on the next aisle over and you'd say, do you like me? Yes or no? You know, and then will you sit with me in the cafeteria? Yes or no? And those were little games that we played when we were youngins. And then later on, there came that big question, will you marry me? You know, Kathy, you remember asking me that, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, will you marry me? And uh, so anyway, uh, Adam needed a mate. Look at verse number 18. Adam's companion was first called a help. And boy, what a help our spouses are, Amen. Say amen, fellas, isn't that right? Thank God for your spouse. And up to this point uh, that, that, that God had made, he said it was all good. But now God said that it's not good for man to dwell alone. It doesn't mean that God's creation was imperfect, but it did mean that it was incomplete. For you see, God had put in Adam a twofold need. Number one, for a heavenly father, and number two, for an earthly mate as well. And that longing is natural. That's what causes you and I to go and search for a companion in our life as well. Uh, I read about a preacher, a young preacher. He had never performed a marriage ceremony before, and he was very, very nervous. And uh, so he, 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 he preached, and he said before the wedding, and he said, uh, you know, God has one man for one woman. If you'll just pray and and ask God, he'll send you a mate. And so he kind of developed that, and he kind of uh, stood for a while and talked about one man for one woman. Well, after the service was over and he was at the back shaking hands, there was a young lady that came to him and said, Preach, I want to talk to you about what you just said. He said, Sure you can. So you, did you disagree with something that I said in the service? She said, Oh, no. But she said, One man and one more, and I want to get in on that. And he said, well, you hang around a little while and God's going to send you somebody. So Adam searched for a mate. Secondly, look at verse 21 and following. Notice, secondly, how God responded to Adam's desire. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians that God will give us the desire of our heart. 
Now, if we're in tune with God, if we're walking in the ways of God and the will of God, the things that we need in our lives, the things that we desire, God will give that to us if it will benefit us as we serve and live for the Lord. It was no different with Adam. The Bible said in verse number 21 in our text, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Apart from being saved, there's probably no greater decision than to pick out your spouse for life. Now, you young folks that are here and you're thinking about getting married and maybe you're dating and everything, you better really spend some time in prayer. God has someone for you that will help you and benefit you in your life. Pray about that, mate. Friend, I want to tell you something. I, I got a little granddaughter now. I mentioned, it about, uh, mentioned her to you here uh, one night, uh, and she just turned 17 on Tuesday. Now, I'm a little partial, I'll be honest. I'm a little prejudiced about her. She's the most beautiful little thing I ever saw. She's beautiful inside and outside. She's got, I told you about that, she's got all these, uh, all these uh, offers from D1 College for, for both softball and also for volleyball, but she loves the Lord. She's sweet as she can be. Uh, she, uh, she's not boy crazy, never has been, but I just found out uh, on Tuesday, that little feller sent her some roses for her birthday. And I said, I'm going to inquire into that situation. <laughs> and uh, because uh, we sure don't want her to get messed up. Well, uh, she thought that we had sent her the flowers and put the little boy's name on it. And uh, she couldn't believe that he sent her the flowers. They've only been out two times. They went to McDonald's. He plays baseball. She plays softball. They went to each other's game. And so uh, she, he sent her some flowers when he found out it was her birthday. And so she called the florist, by the way. She said, I want to know who ordered those flowers. Well, the florist told her, then called his name. His name is Mason, isn't it? I believe Mason, some don't know his last name, don't even want to know, but anyhow. <laughs> his name is Mason, and uh, they said, that's who ordered the flowers. And boy, she was so uh, embarrassed about it. I mean, you know, she, uh, she, she don't care much about boys, but I, I, I know he's sweet on her from all that I can hear, and, and maybe she'll get sweet on him. But listen, here's the thing. Man, you pray before you begin to date. Don't, hey, you know a good place to find a mate in the house of God? Man, I tell you, y'all got a Christian school and all these good youngins come through here. They love God. They're going to a Christian school. That's where you ought to pick out your mate. Don't go off yonder somewhere in the back alley where the crackheads hang out and try to pick you out of mate. You won't have anything but sorrow and heartache all of your life. Make sure you pray before you pick out a mate. Well, Adam, here he is, and he wants somebody to spend his life together with him. One of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn is to marry somebody that'll be a blessing to your life. Troubles upon troubles come when we marry for the wrong reason. Some folks marry for wealth. You know, they, we call it what we call, we call it marrying up. 
You know, you marry up. That means you married somebody in a little better shape than you are. Some marry for fame. You, you watch these Hollywood characters. When their little, uh, uh, what do you call it? When their little reputation, if they're not making as many movies as they used to be, first thing you'll know, they'll marry some wild, crazy something just so they can get in the headlines again. See what I'm saying? They marry for fame. Some marry for security. They're just simply lonesome. Uh, you know, maybe their spouse uh, has passed away before them or maybe they've never been married. They get to that point. They want security and then they marry. Then some may marry just simply because uh, of seeking a beauty queen. Now, listen, fellas. It ain't going to be like that from now on. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you ladies, you know, hey, look at this up here. You see, I, my hair used to be black as a crow. And I'm not putting anything on it. Somebody said, well, I'd like to have hair like that. You hang around. <laughs> All you got to do is just hang around. Hey, let me tell you something. Make sure that you pray about your mate. Make sure you pray for the one that God wants you to have because it's not necessarily what they look like. It's what they got in their heart. I remember T.D. Burgess telling me, let me tell you what he said. He, uh, T.D. said that uh, when he was in high school, he said he's a pretty good football player. He said, I could play football, and, and uh, he had several offers, you know. But anyhow, he said, there's a little girl on the cheerleading team. Man, he said she was a beautiful little thing. Said she had long blonde hair and blue eyes and said she walked in the room and it just like a floodlight. Said, man, she lit everything up. And he said, all through high school, uh, he's won several awards and everything. He was all conference and all of that. And he said, all through high school, I wanted to date that little cheerleader. Said she was beautiful. And uh, he said, I'd try to send somebody to say, well, TD's kind of interested. Would you like to date him? She, he said she wouldn't even give me the time of day. And he said, I'm telling you, it broke my heart. said, I kept on for two years. He said, I tried everything I could do. He sent her flowers too, by the way. He said, I tried everything I could do to get her to date me, and she wouldn't. And uh, so he said, I began to pray. And he said, Lord, I, I, I really, you know, now he, he was saved. And he said, I, I, I really, Lord, I really, I, I want to date her and, and, and I'll be good to her. I, I, you know, I, I, I'll be nice and I won't do anything ugly. I'll be real good to her. And she said, she's a Christian. Lord, would you please answer my prayer? I sure would like to date her and maybe she'd become my spouse later on. Well, he said, for two years I prayed like that. We both graduated, parted ways, never even got a date with her. Well, T.D. went into evangelism years later, and about 40 years after he graduated, he said, I pulled my car over to the side of the road in front of the post office. I was going to mail some CDs. Back then it was cassette tape. He said, I was going to mail some cassette tape of some services that I'd taped to people that wanted them, so I was going in the post office. He said, when I started in the post office, started up the sidewalk, I heard somebody say, hey, T.D., he said, I turned around and looked and said, there's a fellow there on the sidewalk hollering at me. He said, yes, sir. And he said, come here a minute. He said, you remember me? And he said, no, I don't believe I do. You look kind of familiar. He said, man, me and you played football together. He said, oh, yeah, that's right. Boy, they begin to reminisce a little bit. And he said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. And he said, uh, guess what? He said, what? He said, you'll never believe who I married. 
He said, I got no idea who you married. He said, I married that little girl named Christy. And he said, all of a sudden, my heart remembered those days back in high school. He said, really? He said, yeah. said, matter of fact, she's here in the van. Won't you come over here and speak to her? No, he said, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I'm not going to speak to her. said, I got other things to do. Oh, he said, she'll be glad for you to come. said, come on over here and, and speak to her. She'll be glad to see you. Well, he said, okay, I, I guess I will. And he said he walked up to the van. She rolled the window down and said, as she opened the door and said, hey, T.D., how you doing? said, she weighed about 400 pounds, had two teeth. One on each side of her head. And said, hey, hey she told her, said, my name's Christy. You remember me? Oh, he said, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I remember you. And he said, are you doing okay? She said, doing great. He said, that's wonderful. That's one. Lord bless you, sister. And he walked off. He went in. He mailed him cassette tapes. He said, I got back in the car and said, thank God you didn't answer my prayer. <laughs> Amen. God knows what's best for you. Isn't that right? And so Adam, Adam, he wanted what was best for him as well. And marriage must be built on more than physical attraction. It needs to be a spiritual attachment. Now look at God's work in providing Adam's mate. In verse number 22, look at that again. The Bible said that God made a woman. That word made means to build or to fashion. In other words, he formed and he fashioned Adam a companion, a helpmeet. I love the way one man described this procedure. He said, when God created man, he made him out of the dust of the ground. When he created woman, he took her from man. He did not take her from his head in order that he might lord over her. He didn't take her from his feet that he might trample over her but he took her from his side close to his heart that he might love and care for her. Adam had a desire and a need for a companion. Stephen Olford, you might have heard him before in person or by tape or whatever, and he said this. He said, the first man ever created slept in the will of God while the creator prepared a partner for him. There is a special person for you young folks, that God is preparing for you. So not only do you see God's provision for a mate, but also notice God's will in presenting Adam's mate to him. Look again at verse number 22 and notice what the Bible said. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And notice carefully that it was God that brought to Adam his companion. She was God's will for Adam's life. This surely was, as has been said, a marriage made in heaven. The first wedding in history where God gave the bride away. And by the way, Adam didn't have much to do with it. He woke up and God said, there she is, bud. I mean, that was it. Uh, you know, God said, there she is. I mean, she come out of your, your side and so there she is. Adam didn't have nothing to do with it. But God gave him exactly what he needed. Of course, we know the end of that story, don't we? But Adam submitted to God's will and allowed God to work and give him the perfect mate. Verse 23 said, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And I'm sure this was love at first sight. Can you imagine? 
God fashioning and forming a bride for Adam. She had to be beautiful. Man, you know, you know she was a beautiful lady, and Adam felt like the person that got so excited. You know, he got married. He's so thrilled. He married the love of his life. He wanted to write a poem about it. He is so giddy and excited. He wrote this poem. He said, I climbed up the door and I shut the stairs. I said my shoes and took off my prayers. I shut off my bed and I climbed into the light all because she kissed me goodnight. You can get so excited. Very important that you don't marry, by the way, uh, someone's not saved. You know, some, we call them a, a child of the devil. If you do, you're going to have trouble with your dad-in-law the rest of your life. Isn't that right? I mean, really, Paul was no fool when he said not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, but how often has that rule been broken? Many, many times we know. God responded to Adam's desire. Last, the satisfaction Adam had with the woman that God gave him. Look at verse 24 and 25. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Read this little story, said a little girl. She had learned the story of Snow White and the seven dwarfs. You know, she'd read that little fairy tale, and she was telling the story to her mother. And uh, she got down to the place where the prince kissed Snow White, you know, and, and awakened her out of her sleep. And the little girl said, Mother, do you know what happened next? And her mother knew the story, of course. She said, yeah, they live happily ever after. She said, no, they got married. <laughs> well, sometimes it ends up that way. The nearest thing to hell on earth is an ungodly home broken by sin and iniquity where parents bicker and quarrel and fight and fuss and then finally maybe separate. God never intended for marriage not to be a fulfilling and satisfying experience. I have in my, uh, my ministry, and I know your pastor and some of these other preachers here as well, I've, I, I've saw youngins raised up in a home where God was not uh, preeminent and they didn't honor God like Joshua said as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord they didn't do that boy I've saw youngins nervous as a cat I mean their nerves is shot hearing mom and dad holler at each other all day and, and half the night the, their marriage has become a battlefield and those youngins have to suffer for that sometimes all of their life. They never get over that. Listen mom and dad love each other. Love you youngins. Love God. And I mean be pray together and, and serve God together. You'll never regret that. Boy, those youngins are watching us, those little grandbabies that we have, they're watching us. They watch how we talk. They watch how we live, where we go, who we associate with. They're, they're filing all of that in their little old brain. So what I'm trying to say, let God be first in your life. Some marriages end up like a disaster. I heard about a young preacher. He was performing his first wedding. He was more nervous than the bride and the groom were. He did all right until he got to the end. He said, it's customary to cuss the bride. No, no, not really. He got it messed up a little bit, you know. And so anyway, some married folk feel like the lady said, I didn't know what happiness was till I got married, and then it was too late. <laughs> Couple was married for 50 years, sitting in the living room one evening. 
he got to thinking about all those years and all the things that they'd been through, the good times, the bad times. Man, he was just sitting there meditating. His wife was over there in the rocking chair. And he got to thinking how much he loved her and all that they'd been through. And he hollered at her. And he said, hey, she's a little bit hard of hearing. He said, I'm so proud of you. She said, what? He said, I'm so proud of you. And she raised up and said, I'm tired of you too. You know. So, you know, sometimes it don't work out like we want it to. But you could say that the marriage of Adam and Eve was made in heaven. God wants all marriages like that. I don't know how your marriage is. Don't even know you. But how is your marriage? Sometimes we're too proud to admit that we've made a mess. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to tell our spouse that we're sorry. You know, one of the hardest things in the world, say, I'm sorry. You know what we do? Uh, we try to wait the other one out. We try to wait our spouse out and hoping that he or she will say it first. Because it, it, I guess it's a pride thing, but we just hate to be the first one to say, I'm sorry. You know how it used to be when you first got married. Man, you're so much in love. And, uh, you know, you'd go to bed and then your wife would come and maybe cold weather, whatever, and, and she'd put her feet on your back. And, you know, you'd about jump against the wall. But you wanted to be kind and loving, you know, and she'd say, I'm sorry. You'd say, honey, listen, that's okay. You can put them little tootsies on me. <laughs> well, then the years roll by and you go to bed. She comes again with them cold feet and she puts them on your back and you jump up and say, you better get them hooves off of me. <laughs> Amen. Ain't that right? I mean, we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, there's been a lot of time. Now, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm being honest. There's been a lot of times one feller said, I'll tell you one thing. I told my wife I would never go to bed mad. And he said, I fulfilled that promise. But he said, I slept against the doorpost many, many times <laughs> before I went to bed. Mom and Dad, let me ask you something really seriously. How's your marriage? Youngins, who are you dating? You know, are they good Christian boys or girls? Or maybe they're a little bit like this. You know, you're not really sure what they are. Man, listen, pray and ask God. Mom and Dad, listen, how long has it been since you pray? I know we're in church. I know where we are. But how long has it been since you held hands and prayed together and talked about how good God been to you? I uh, led both of my son-in-laws to the Lord. Both my girls are married. I baptized every one of my grandchildren, but one, but two, Oakley and River. I think River's six now and Oakley's four. And their time will come. I mean, we're praying that they'll begin to realize they need the Lord. By the way, you're not born saved. You know that. Amen. You've got to get saved. I don't care how good you, you can't ride mom and dad's coattails into heaven. You've got to get saved. You've got to get saved. But I'm just waiting on them to get saved. That'd be a great time. Good youngins. But they need the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we're really not the parents we ought to be. I look at these little old youngins around here and Tim's little old grandson, I think it's Titus. And every time when this service is over, that little fella, he'll run up here and grab his grandpa. I'll tell you something. That, boy, that's more precious 
anything I know of. They hold us, our children, our grandchildren hold us in such high esteem. Boy, we're their heroes. Don't disappoint them. Love God. Live right. Be faithful to your church. Tell them about Jesus. Man, we live in the world. If you don't do it, nobody else is. I can tell you that. Just love the Lord. Love your family. I want you to bow your heads.